Contact us at the office Monday through Thursday from 9 till.
We are also available by email. Those emails are office at lakegibsonumc.com or pastor at lakegibsonumc.com. Of course, you can also go to our webpage, which is lakegibsonumc.com. Do you catch the theme here? Go to the webpage, lakegibsonumc.com, and the updates are on there. Our Facebook page is located at Lake Gibson United Methodist Church. We invite you to go there. I invite you to share uh, the pages with your friends, like us, interact with us there on Facebook. Uh, send Christy messages. Christy is in the back taking messages even now. You can say hi to your friends. You can give us prayer requests. You can give us praises. You can interact with us in any way you would like there at that link. Uh, please continue your love and action as we go through this together. Remember... If you have problems on Facebook, you can go to our YouTube site. We're also on YouTube under Lake Gibson Methodist, I believe, there. And you can go to the webpage at lakegibsonumc.com and click on the live link there, and uh, it will take you to us also. Don't forget, immediately following the service at 1130, Dwight and Phyllis Kitchens host Zooming the Peace. Again, if you would like to be a part of that, go to the webpage, click on the Zooming the Peace, and it will take you into there and you can visit with your friends you can talk with them you can see them face to face on the little squares that will come up on your computer screen or your phone there also remind you that i'm doing a bible study every thursday at 1 p.m on zoom again if you would like to join that just email christy or call christy and give her your email address where she can send you the link it's very simple you sip on the uh, click on the link after you install zoom it comes up and there's 10 or 12 of us it was 10 this week, I think, that we're there that we have a Bible study. We're in Romans chapter 16 at the present time. Join me in prayer, if you would, at this time. Father, as we come before your throne of grace again this day, we give you praise and thanks. What a wonderful God you are. Thank you, God, what a Savior you are. Thank you, Father, that when you were on the cross, you were thinking of each of us. And your love continues to this day and floods into our life. I praise you for that. As we come now, wherever we may be, whether we're at home or out in the woods somewhere looking on our phone or our screen or wherever we may be, let us realize we are entering a sacred place, that you are here with us, that we are the church meeting wherever we are, and we're in your presence. And may you speak to us and may you change us even this day. We ask in your holy name. Amen. You know, even as we are separated as we are uh, at the present time because of the virus, ministry continues. We have a ministry at the Hope House, and Deb and Rick McClellan are the leaders of that from our church, but many of our church participate and take supplies over there. The ministry continues, and Rick and Debbie have an update for us about the Hope House. Watch this short presentation. Hi. Uh, we're Rick and Debbie McClellan. We... I've uh, been volunteering at the Hope Center, a uh, homeless uh, um, shelter for uh, about six, a little over six years now. And uh, we are so grateful for this church and all the things that they have brought us, uh, canned goods, towels, blankets, clothing, and other items to help the less fortunate. Uh, Tuesday is our day, and when the Hope Center was open, we had different churches open every day, and we could meals inside but now with the coronavirus restrictions the Hope House is so small that we can only allow two guests in at a time one into the laundry area where they get to wash and dry their clothes and uh, then one into the shower area where they can shower and then the men can go in the bathroom and shave 
And then also we have, uh, we allow a person uh, to have access to the clothing room where we have used clothing and, and shoes and uh, new socks. Uh, but since we can't uh, legally uh, cook or serve the guests inside, we're giving out brown bag lunches now, with, which have sandwiches, snack items, uh, and to quench thirst, canned soda, or usually ice-cold bottles of water. They seem to Chips. prefer that. Uh, we, each guest also receives a pop-top can like uh, ravioli or uh, canned spaghetti, and we use the pop-tops because although we've given out a lot of can openers, they can't hold on to them. Uh, so this gives them a meal, they, their supper meal at their tent, because we're only open for breakfast and lunch. Uh, we also give out toiletry kits, razors, neosporin, band-aids, and radio and lantern batteries. And we also have given out a lot of lanterns uh, when we've had them donated. Uh, Debbie has uh, also been making masks and giving them out uh, to our homeless guests because they need them to go in a lot of the stores. And we go in, we also give out Bibles and New Testaments uh, when we have them. We've had quite a few uh, requests that. Now this particular ministry is, is operated with five different churches involved. And uh, we seem to be doing uh, a larger share than many of them right now because a lot of the volunteers have backed off. Uh, but the ministry is 100% volunteer operated. There's no paid staff, so uh, any uh, money you designate to uh, at our church for the Hope House is 100% used for the guests. And if you drop off something uh, uh, at like uh, Lake Gibson, like mosquito repellent, the thing that we use, of course, socks is something that they go through like crazy because uh, they go through the <laughs> and use shoes, uh, tennis-type shoes, uh, uh, not dress shoes, of course. But shorts and... Um, shorts and T-shirts. Uh, generally between the sizes of 32 to 36 waist. Yeah, smaller ones. The smaller waist for the men. And um, <clears throat> underclothes, men's and women's underclothes. That's true, men's and women's, uh, yeah. And um, T-shirts. That's, they generally wear, sh in the summer, shorts and T-shirts. In the winter, they generally wear jeans and T-shirts. And in the winter, we generally need jackets. Yeah, we do about jackets. And um, blankets in the winter. But in the summer, we don't need as many as of those. <clears throat> we generally need shorts, T-shirts, um, socks, and tennis shoes. And they can be used. They're not, you don't have to buy brand new. And uh, many of our guests, people don't realize, are... 55 years old or over, or they're disabled, so a lot of them can't get jobs. And some of the younger ones are employed and do have a job, sometimes part-time jobs, sometimes full-time, but they don't make quite enough money to pay rent and utilities at apartment rates in Lakeland right now, or at even uh, trailers. Uh, but the Hope Center guests do have an attitude of gratitude. They're very grateful for uh, everything they get, and uh, uh, God has just uh, used us to, uh, to, we've seen so many of them uh, that have had changes in their lives. Many of them, now in times like this, of course, you don't see them going out and, and getting new jobs because even regular folks can't get a job right now for the most part, but uh, 
in the past we have seen uh, some of them go on and, and really make a success of their life and get jobs and get their own place. And it's, it's been a blessing, some of them out of the area, but many of them have uh, maintained contact uh, with us. And so we're grateful to be in a very generous church, that folks that care about the less fortunate. And uh, when we set up on, uh, on Tuesdays, we uh, have an orderly list so that we... All the people that are there, they get their shower in order, they get their laundry done in order. Uh, we have them all sign in, and uh, we give them a little gospel message, a short mini-sermon. And uh, uh, we've really had uh, seen that God has used that in ways that, you know, I can't believe because I'm nobody, but the Holy Spirit seems to use God's Word and touch people, and uh, we're just uh, we're just blessed and uh, thankful to be in this ministry, and thankful to have God use us, and we appreciate everything that uh, you can do, uh, or whatever you can uh, help us out with. It's a real blessing. Somebody asked me too, how many people we have? We probably minister in North Lakeland to about sixty uh, altogether individuals, but we have about twenty-five show up. At a time, it might be a different 25 this Tuesday than it is next Tuesday, because sometimes they have other places to go. They're here of somebody else, or they just don't make it in. Some of them are uh, regulars, and some of them are there. There's 10 or 15 of them that are there every single right. Tuesday, and uh, it's it's a blessing. We see some of them that have accepted Christ that have begun to grow, even though they struggle. They struggle with alcohol. Some of them they drugs. struggle with drugs. But uh, many of them are, are reading the Bibles and Testaments we give out. And, and, change, and, is uh, happening. and change is slowly happening in right. many lives. Thank you for that, Rick and Debbie. And to you from Lake Gibson, thank you for the way that you support this. You are changing lives. Things are happening over there. And you picked up about... The gospel message, Rick delivers that every Tuesday, so if I'm not here one Sunday, you might want to call Rick. Rick, get a sermon together, buddy. Okay, at this time, let us continue our worship, and let me invite Bob Willoughby up to lead us in two wonderful hymns today. Thank you, Bob. And choir.
number 600 in our hymnals. If you knew the words to that song anyway, they probably sang along anyway. So thank you, choir. We appreciate you. Okay. You know, this week, don't you love Florida at this time of year with all the rain and the sunshine and the grass grows so fast you have to mow it at least once a week, maybe even once every five days? Oh, some of you don't mow grass. I, I do. This week I had to mow the grass one afternoon and uh, my normal habit when I mow the grass is I fix me a big glass of iced tea and I put it outside where I can get it in the middle of while I'm mowing the grass. And went out and started to mow the grass and something else caught my attention and something else caught my attention and something else caught my attention that I had to take care of before I got to that point to where I normally go take that big swig of iced tea. And when I went back there and I grabbed that tea and slugged it back, I'm like, yuck. It was nothing but water. All the ice had melted. It had become diluted. The tea had become water. In 2005, there was a cancer patient by the name of Georgia Hayes. She won a $2.2 billion settlement against her pharmacy. 
because the pharmacy had been diluting her chemotherapy drugs with the water so that she lost her best chance for recovery. $2.2 billion is a lot. It's a lot of money, but it's not worth much if you don't have any life left. I bring those two stories together to talk about diluted faith today. And I ask this question. If we can dilute tea to the point that it is not tea anymore, it becomes water. And if we can dilute a drug down to where it is ineffective, the question is, have we diluted our faith? Have we changed our faith in such a way that it's ineffective or even worse? useless. Do we dilute God's power down to something we can understand, thereby losing much of our faith? Do we lose our distinctiveness? Think about this. We will tell anybody that wants to hear, we'll tell you, God has the power to save you. Come on down. You need to make this confession of faith. You need to accept Lord. the Lord has your Savior. Sing about it even. But then we say, it's okay if you stay the way you are. You don't have to change. Just accept God. No. That's not what the gospel is all about. The power of God continues to work in you to sanctify you. That's what I've been preaching on. To make you more like Jesus Christ. The power of God transforms us into new creatures after we accept him as our Lord and Savior. Here's a question. Have we become so concerned with people liking us, accepting us, with the church itself fitting into society? Have we become so concerned with that that we've diluted our faith to the point where we're useless? I've been talking about sanctification, becoming holy, acting like Jesus, if you will. What am I? I don't... I don't I won't say he's my favorite author, but an author that I've read quite a bit, uh, and I agree with him, is Oswald Chambers. Many of you may know Oswald Chambers. He wrote this little devotional called My Utmost for His Highest that a lot of people still use today. Let me give you a couple of quotes that Oswald Chambers uh, wrote. The first one is this. Holiness, not happiness, is the chief end of man. Holiness sanctification, not happiness, is the chief end of man. Have we as a church, have we as Christians, do we seek happiness rather than holiness? Because they're not the same. Holiness will bring you happiness, yes. But being happy isn't necessarily being holy. Unfortunately, looking around society today, the prevalent teaching and preaching on the prosperity, prosperity gospel, I think, has been selling a form of happiness, not holiness. Just think of where we are in the United Methodist Church and the things that are going on that we're still awaiting for a general conference to solve. I stepped back and I looked, and I looked from a, what I call a 30,000-foot elevation where you look down and you look at things to get the big picture, so to speak, and this is the way I look at the two sides that exist today, and I know there are more than two sides. But basically, one says God loves you and accepts you just the way you are. 
And you know what? That is true. But the other side says, yes, God loves you so much that he doesn't leave you the way you are. That he's going to change you. And that's true too. And we need to find a way to blend the two. God loves us and accepts us as we are. And he loves us so much he will not leave us the way we are when we come to him at the altar. That's that work of sanctification. That's that work of holiness. That's us going on to be images of Christ Jesus. That's God willing and working in us in such a way that his love comes out. Which image do you think is the most powerful? The one that said God loves you like you are and he's going to leave you there? Or the one that said God loves you so much he's not going to leave you there, he's going to change you? My mind, the one that says God is going to transform me is the more powerful God. Again, Oswald Chambers writes, writes this. The vision that God gives us is not some unattainable castle in the sky, but a vision of what God wants you to be down here. In other words, God looking down on us looks at us and he says, I want you to be holy. And it's something we can do because he's going to help us and he's going to transform us and he's going to give us that power to become that. God wants his kingdom upon this earth. We pray that, don't we, in the Lord's Prayer? Thy will be done as it is on earth. But do we believe it? People will share God's love but will we, share, will we share the fact that God's power can change you? Oswald Chambers also wrote this. We must build our faith not on fading lights, but on the light that never fails. That light being Christ Jesus. You go back and you think about the Gospel of John. John wrote in this prologue there, in the first 15 verses of chapter 1 of John. He says, Christ was the real light coming into the world. And he was the life of all men. The never-failing light is Jesus Christ, who is the giver and the sustainer of all life. Unfortunately, this is my opinion, but unfortunately, I think we've diluted that light till we're going around with nothing but a little candle instead of the powerful Son of God that we serve, Jesus Christ, that sheds light all around. It brings light to all darkness. I'm afraid that we've replaced the power of God with our own intellectual image. I'm afraid we've become soft on sin and hard on other things. As Oswald Chambers put it, he said this, We're in danger of being stern where God is tender and being tender where God is stern. Let me put it a little bluntly. We've become stern on saying, You're not a Christian if you can't love everyone which is true, but we've become very slack on saying that is not allowed within the Christian faith. You can't go there. God says, do not do that. Do not let that even be named among you. And yet we said, oh, it's okay, baby. Let me read you something. See, just so you know, I do still carry the word. Romans chapter 6. This was in my daily devotion this morning. Romans 6, 1 and 2, Paul writes then. He's talking about grace. But he says, what are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means, he says. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? 
But isn't that what a lot of our churches teach? Including the Methodist church? Come on to Christ and everything's okay. You don't have to change. That's not what God says. I was listening to the Joy FM Monday. And I was listening on my way into work and as I heard something that I actually had to stop, pull over, and listen. Then as soon as I walked in the office, I got on the internet to see if I could find out what they were quoting and if they were true. And I found it, unfortunately. And here's the new survey that has come out. They have found that the majority of people who describe themselves as Christians, notice who we're talking about, the majority of people who claim that they are Christians have said that you get into heaven by how good you are, by your works. Put in my words, what they're basically saying is you can earn your way to heaven. That's not what the Scripture teaches. It says you have been saved by faith, lest any man boast. Here's the background of what they were talking about. The Cultural Research Center from Arizona Christian University sent out a survey. They found this. They said American adults today increasingly adopt a salvation-can-be-earned perspective. 48% believe that if a person is good or does enough good things in their life, they will earn a place in heaven. And do you know how many people disagree with them? You would think it would be 52%, wouldn't you? Less than 33% disagree with them. That if you're a good person, you won't get into heaven. So basically what we're saying is two-thirds of the people are saying, you go to heaven based on your works. That's not scriptural. That's pharisaical. That's heresy. This particular survey went on. And they found that a majority of Americans who describe themselves as Christians, notice what it says, they're not talking about the non-Christian, they're talking about those who say we are Christians, accept this work-oriented means to heaven. Even those churches that in their official doctrines like us, says you're saved by faith only. Here's the way it broke down of Christians. 46% of Pentecostals, 44% of Protestant mainlines, which we would be, 41% of evangelicals, which would normally be the Baptist, and 70% of the Roman Catholics said you earn your way into heaven. Wow. They asked another question on there, and this one blew my mind too. Of those who claim to be Christians, only 54% are sure they're going to heaven. 54%. And I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again, but if you're born again, if you accept me as your Lord and Savior, if you promised to serve me, you have eternal life. And only 54% of the people believe it. We've diluted it. It's become water to us. Only one-third, 33%, of Christians believe they go to heaven based solely upon their faith. It was another shocker. 20% of Christians, one in five, say they will earn their way into heaven because 
They embrace universalism, which what that means is this. God's going to let everybody into heaven. It gets even worse. When you break it down with age, those under 30, only 20% believe they would go to heaven because of their faith. These are Christians now, not the world at large. And as you move up, only 30% of those under 50 believe that. Is that a deluded faith? That type of faith can't save anybody or anything. It seems like we've deluded it. Here's the way Jesus put it in Matthew chapter 5. He's talking here and he says, talking about us, that we are the salt of the earth. But he says, if salt has lost its taste, how can the saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but it's thrown out and trampled underfoot. Have we lost our saltiness? I began these sermons on sanctification by quoting Matthew 5.48, which David has on the screen now, where Jesus looked at us and he said, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. We talked about how we can only be made perfect as the Holy Spirit works in us, changes us, and transforms us. Has that work of sanctification is carried out in our life. Sanctification takes the full gospel, not a watered-down version. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 1, 17 and 18. Paul says, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with elegant wisdom, so that the words of Christ might not be, so, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of his power. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. We sing about that in the old rugged cross. How it was the cross, the blood of Christ, the offering that he made on that cross at Calvary. And our belief in that, that saves us. People don't seem to believe that message of salvation anymore. They certainly don't believe the doctrine of sanctification we've been talking about. The church itself doubts it. The leaders doubt it. Perhaps what we need is a return to the pure gospel, the old-time gospel. We need to throw out the diluted faith we've got and take the real faith. That upper room that night when Jesus washed his disciples' feet, he also said this to them, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. In other words, if you love me, you're going to do what I tell you to in here. You're not going to allow some of these things just to be prevalent among you that I say you shouldn't have. What's he say shouldn't be in here? Go read it. It's in Ephesians, in one place. There shouldn't be any lying, any roughness, any carousing, any drunkenness, any drugs, that stuff. It shouldn't be named among you. Not that it doesn't exist, but you should be working to overcome it. doesn't mean you're put outside. If that's what your problem is. It means you're brought in. We pray over you. We, we help you. We make resources available. And Jesus Christ works in such a way in you that he changes you. Is it a struggle? Oh, yeah, it's a struggle. It may never be complete until the end of time. But it's something that we're working on. Something that you're working on. and Something that God is doing in you. Again, 
as I said at the beginning, have we diluted our faith to the point that we think God can forgive people, that he can't change him? The Bible, in my view, says gospel is not just about justification, coming to faith, but it's becoming more like Jesus Christ after you come to that faith. You can come to Jesus just as you are. That is good news. But the better news is he doesn't leave you that way. The greater news is he can transform you. He can change you. He can take your heart of stone, as Isaiah says, and put a living heart in you, a beating heart, a heart that loves him and loves people. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creature. Everything old has passed away. Everything new has become new. We're new because of our faith in Jesus Christ. People may still say, well, I, I don't know, preacher. I don't know. I don't know if I, can ever, if I can ever overcome what's going on. Well, look at what Paul said in Philippians 1.6. I'm confident of this. The one who began a good work among you, that's Jesus, will bring it to completion. On the day of Jesus Christ. Here's my question for us as Christians in the church today. Where is our mustard seed of faith that moves mountains? How God split a seed so his people could walk through it on dry ground. How God stopped a river so that they could cross the river and take the promised land. Our God had the walls of Jericho fall down without firing a shot. Our God called fire down when Elijah was battling Baal. And the fire that came down not only devoured the offering, it devoured the very stones the altar was made of. Our God's power caused the virgin to become pregnant with his son. Our God's power while he was on earth gave sight to the blind. Caused the lame to walk, cleansed the leper, healed all kinds of diseases, brought dead people back to life. Our God has resurrection power, has proven with the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Our God changed the doubting Thomas to an apostle Thomas who gave his life as a martyr in India. Our God took a man who denied him three times called Peter. And made him a man that would refuse to deny him. And when he was going to be crucified, said, I'm not worthy to be crucified as my Lord was. Crucify me upside down. Our God took a no good for nothing murdering Saul at the time and changed him into Paul. An apostle who started many Gentile churches wrote over one half of the New Testament. Our God gave his people the power to stand under persecution. His power still changes druggies into saints, felons into preachers, prostitutes into Sunday school teachers, doubters into believers. Our God still brings life to those that others look around and say they've given up on them. They're no good. They'll never make anything out of themselves. And God says, yes, you will. You will bloom because I will work in you. We don't need to water our faith down. We have a strong faith. One able to move mountains, one able to restore the dead. I'm no longer going to apologize for believing God has the power to change sinners into saints. I am not going to water down my faith. What about you? Choir, if you would come up, we're going to sing a hymn here, and the hymn's going to be nothing but the blood. That's what changes us. That's what we put our faith in, the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the power that works in us 
to make us new creatures. So I want you to pray with me even now as the choir comes forward. Lord, we come to you, and Lord, we, we confess to you. Forgive us, Lord, that we have not, not worked and lived into the full power of the gospel. Forgive us for watering down our faith. Forgive us for backing up to society to make ourselves fit in. Lord, help us in this moment, in the next hour, in the next month, in the next whatever it may be, as long as we live, to live into the full gospel of Jesus Christ. And not be ashamed to tell people God has the power to change you and the circumstances you're in. Give your life to him. Submit to him. And Lord, help us change our world for better as they see you living in us. I ask in your holy name. Amen. Bob, if you would lead us, please. Thank you, Pastor Steve. Our final hymn this morning is Nothing But the Blood, number 362 in the hymnals. Amen. Thank you, God, for the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen.
invite you to send your prayer request in. If you haven't already or your praises, send them to Christy. Remind you that you can help support this ministry by sending your tithes and offerings to Lake Gibson United Methodist Church located at 424 West Daughtery Road, Lakeland, Florida, 33809. You can give by texting also. That text number is 833-758-0308, 833-758-0308. All of this information is contained on our website, lakegibsonumc.com. So you can go there if you missed any of it, if you'd like to find out more about our church, about what we believe, or anything else, you can go to the website there. Christy, do we have prayer requests? And pray, and, okay. Eldon Hawkewanger has asked us to... I was giving us a praise report. Daryl Phillips, Daryl, I believe, is uh, her nephew-in-law, had a stroke. He's recovered. He's been released from the hospital. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name. Hallelujah. Cindy L. Heisman is requesting prayers for Sue tomorrow. Sue is having surgery at 8 a.m. in the morning. We want to pray for Sue as she goes through this. Asking prayers for father-in-law Jim. This is George Gribble. Uh, he was diagnosed with cancer this week. Also, for safe travels, has a fly to Ohio to bring my wife Tammy home to Florida. Uh, congratulations, George, and we will be praying. Prayers go up for Jane Gore having surgery for cancer on August the 27th. Any others? You've probably seen the news. There are some other prayers that we need to, we need to be lifting our president up, not because I agree with him or don't agree with him or anything else, but his brother passed away yesterday. And Scripture tells us that we're to grieve with those who are grieving, mourn with those who are mourning, as well as rejoice with those who are rejoicing. So we want to pray for he and his family as they go through this time of loss. And I know there are others out there. I heard a report. I'm not sure this is right. Correct, Sue, that works at the Hope House. We, I, I heard she passed away uh, this weekend. So we want to remember her and her family. Of course, there are others we see on the news every day. There are others right in Lakeland. I'm sure you've seen it, more traffic accidents on I-4 that have claimed lives this week and others going on. So we want to pray for all of those. So go with me to God in prayer. Father, we come to you, you who are the one that can change anything that you want, the one that has the power to speak and it occurs, the one who brought Jesus Christ back to life. The one who said that that same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. Thank you, God. Has become, we come praising you, giving you the thanks. God, I thank you for your word that you gave us so that we can form our lives around your precepts and we can learn of you and who you are. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives in us and helps us. I thank you for those that come and Trust in your word and allow it to work in them to change them. As we come, there are other things that, that we're worried about, Lord, that concern us, that take up space in our mind, if you will. We lift them before you. All these that we have lifted this day that are sick, Lord, be with them. Touch them. Has surgeons and technicians and other people diagnose and work on them even Sue tomorrow, we just ask that you would give them wisdom that goes beyond anything they learned in school. May you, the one that made us and knows us and formed our DNA in our mother's womb, may you guide their eyes and their brains and their hands as they perform these surgeries or carry out these techniques or prescribe these medications. 
And may each work in such a way that that individual is helped, that pain's alleviated, that life is restored, and that your name is praised above all. As we come, we know there are many other requests that are in our congregation and in our world. There are those that have lost jobs that need financial support. There are those that have been going through this time of quarantine and they're depressed. and They need a hand up at this time. There are those, Lord, that have lost loved ones, whether it be to a disease or to an accident or whatever it may be, that are grieving. We lift them before you. Even now, just comfort them as only you can. Hold them close. Lord, there are others that are battling different things that are going on in their mind and in their life. And they're just looking, looking to you to guide them and direct them, to give them wisdom so that they know which way to turn, what action to take next. We pray that. That you would guide them and give them the wisdom they need and to work in their circumstances in such a way that they can come out on the other side, look back and be truly amazed and say, wow, look what God did for me. I praise you, Lord. Lord, now I pray. I pray for those that don't know you. That even this day, even right this moment, for some reason, somehow, someone will speak about the love of God in their life. And it will prompt them. It will plant that seed that will make them want to know more about you. That you'll take that preventative grace, as we call it, and use it to bring them to justification. And then to move them on to become more like Jesus Christ than they even believe they can be. And to allow the power of God to be seen in each of them. Now take us and use us as we go forth to change the world for you. We ask in your holy name. Amen. Don't forget, Zooming the Peace starts at 1130. You can go to the website and click on the link there to join us. We'll be Zooming our Bible study on Thursday at 1 p.m. We're in Romans chapter 16. And by Wednesday, you probably want to check the website and the uh, Facebook page for the leftovers, which I'll post on Tuesday or Wednesday. So, going to peace of God at the same time next week. Bye.